Well, if you want to get your, uh, your Bibles out, or it will be on the, on the screen as well, um, you're welcome to, to read it. Some of you might like your electronic device to, to go to the Word, but we're going to be in the book of Nehemiah. One of my favorite uh, stories or accounts in the Bible is the account of Nehemiah. I just, I love everything about this story, how it's, uh, how it all played out and how the Lord showed his faithfulness and his goodness. But we're going to go to Nehemiah chapter 4, and I'm going to read kind of a, a little bit of a substantial amount of scripture this morning because I think it's important to get to where we want to go with this, this tale today. So Nehemiah 4, and I'm going to be ver- reading verses 1 through 23. But it so happened when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Now Tobiah, the Ammonite, was beside him, and he said, Whatever they build, if even a fox goes up on it, he'll break it down their stone wall. Hear, O God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity, and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you. For they provoked you to anger before the builders. So we built the wall. The entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they became very angry. And all of them conspired to come together to it and and attack Jerusalem and to create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God, and because of, of them, we sat a watch against them day and night. Then Judah said, The strength of the laborers is failing, and there is so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. And our adversaries said they will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. So it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came that they told us ten times, From whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. Therefore I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set the people according to their families, with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us that, and that God had brought their plot to nothing, that all of us returned to the wall, everyone to his work. So it was from that time on that half of my servants worked at construction while the other half held the spears, the shields, and the bows and wore armor. And the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. Those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other they held a weapon. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built, and the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. 
Then I said to the nobles, the rulers, and the rest of the people, The work is great and extensive, and we are separated far from one another on the wall. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. So we labored in the work, and half of the men held the spears from daybreak until the stars appeared. At the same time, I also said to the people, Let each man and his servant stay at night in Jerusalem, that they may be our guard by night and a working party by day. So neither I, my brethren, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me took, our, took off our clothes, except that everyone took them off for washing. That's a good thing, wasn't it? So, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that we come today to hear your word, Father, and, and we ask that you would now just expand on it, Lord God. Teach us what you want us to know today for our way of life, Lord God, for what we're doing on your behalf right now, Father. I pray that you would make it real and alive, and in Jesus' name we ask these things, and it's in that name that we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to give just a little, little background to this story. And I, I always have to look back at this, uh, at this king's name because I will always mess it up, and I'm, it's, I still will mess it up even after I read it. There was a, the, the Jews had been taken into exile. The uh, Persians had, had come in and, and taken over, and they had been taken as captives. They worked as servants. Nehemiah was a man who worked as a servant, as a cupbearer to the king. I believe it was Atterxerxes. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right or saying that right, but that's as close as I'm going to get. Anyway, so he had a, he had a position of, of kind of authority and power. He obviously was a, was a trusted man because that's part of what the cupbearer was. They made sure the king wasn't being served poison, and, and so that was his job. And, and he obviously was a, was a guy that was a, always had a good appearance, a good countenance about him because word had come to him from... Jerusalem, that the city was in ruins, and it had been destroyed, and, and the, the walls had been knocked down, and, and somebody came and, and let him know that. There was one day that he came in to serve the king, bring the cup into the king, and the king could tell there was something wrong, and he said, you know, what's going on, Nehemiah? I've never seen you not smile before. What's happening? And he said, Lord, how am I supposed to smile? The city, my people's city is in ruins and it's destroyed. And he had, Nehemiah before this had already sought God, and he said, if, if I can find any, any, uh, any pleasure in you, Lord, would you please open the king's heart on my behalf? And so Nehemiah, the king asked him, what can I do for you? And Nehemiah says, let me go back to my city and let me help to rebuild the wall. Now, think about this. This is a guy, okay? This is not God saying, I'm going to rebuild the wall. This is, Nehemiah had such a burden for his people. He said, let me go back and oversee the rebuilding of the wall. And the king had favor on him. And he said, you go, you do what you need to do. Well, Nehemiah thought, well, let's, let's see if we can hedge this just a little bit more. Well, how about this, king? Could you maybe get your people to supply me the lumber that we will need to rebuild the wall? And the king says, yeah, yeah, I'll take care of that for you. Well, how about one more thing? While we're, while we're heading in this direction, one more thing. Would you give me papers to carry that whenever I come against or around all the nobles of, of your nation that are going to be wondering why I'm doing this, would you give me documents that say that I have the permission to do this? And he says, yes. 
So Nehemiah goes and he finds the, 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 the land of Israel, Jerusalem, just the way that he was told that it was. And so they begin to, to build the wall and then Sanballat. Sanballat is a, uh, he's kind of a governor of, of the Persians in that region. Makes him furious. What are we letting these dogs do with, with building this back up against? Well, what we want to get into today, so that, that brings us to the point in our story when we read, when we read the word today. As you can see, the, the message is called Overcoming Discouragement. And Nehemiah started this whole story discouraged that his nation had been destroyed, that his city was in ruins. Discouragement is something that we will all deal with. It's something that we will all face if we live long enough in this world, we're going to battle discouragement. So I want to take us to a few things that I think the Lord has given me about how to deal with this. I, I know I've shared this story before, but I think it's so pertinent for right now. And it's, it's about the devil's yard sale. It said, I read once that the devil was having a yard sale, and all of his tools were marked with different prices. They were a fiendish lot. There was hatred, jealousy, deceit, lust, pride, and they all had expensive prices on them. But over to the side of the yard was on display a tool that was more obviously worn than any of the other tools, and it was also the most costly. It had the highest price on it, and the tool was labeled discouragement. When questioned why that tool was, was priced so much higher than all the rest, the devil said, well, it's more useful to me than any of my other tools. When I can't bring down my victims with any of the rest of these tools, when I can't bring them down with jealousy or, or lust or pride or hatred, when I can't bring them down with that, I use discouragement because so few people realize that it belongs to me. Discouragement. I looked that up in the dictionary, and it says a loss of confidence or enthusiasm. Has anybody ever felt discouraged? Have you ever tried to do something and, and tried to do it again and again and again, and it just doesn't seem to work out, and we get discouraged? Or we make some great strides, we make some progress, and then everything kind of goes backwards on us for a while. Discouragement. It's one of the greatest tools of the enemy. And everyone, no matter how strong, no matter how spiritual, no matter how much we're on top of the world, we will all, at some point, become a victim of discouragement. Even people called and empowered by God are not immune to this cancer. Nehemiah was, was obviously set in the place that he needed to be. He was called there by God. He was put in place for such a time as this. But he can still face discouragement. Nehemiah 4.10, one of the verses we just read, said, Then Judah said, The strength of the laborers is failing. And there's so much rubbish that we're not able to build the wall. They had just done such great work. When Sanballat came, he said, these Jews, you know, I love that, you know, that, uh, oh, don't worry about them. It wasn't Sanballat. It was his buddy, that Tobiah, that said, you know, what? don't worry about it. Whatever they build, if they try to build a wall, even if a fox runs across the top of it, it's going to collapse. They can't. Who are these feeble, weak Jews? And then just a little while later, we read that it says, so we built the wall, and we had it 
The entire wall was joined together about half its height. They had made some great strides. I mean, can you match? Seriously, think about this. You, uh, can you picture what a wall would have been around a fortified city back then? We're not talking about a fence. We're not talking about a, a picket fence. We're talking about a wall. We're talking about a wall, you know, probably at least a couple feet thick. And we're talking about, I don't know, 20, 30 feet high, probably. I'm, I'm just guessing that it had to be fortified. It had to keep out the enemy. It had to keep out those that were trying to, to attack and destroy. They had already put this wall halfway up. They were well on their way. And then the discouragement set in. The strength of the laborers is failing, and there's so much rubbish that we're not able to. To do the job. You already started the job. It's already well on the way. Discouragement can come at any time that we're walking for the Lord. The key is to not give up when the discouragement comes. Yielding to discouragement can have devastating consequences. Ten of the twelve Israelite spies got discouraged at what they saw when they went in to spy out the land, and they paid a terrible price. The nation spent 40 years wandering in the desert, desert over discouragement because they couldn't see anything but the giants. They couldn't see the land flowing with milk and honey. All they could see were the giants, and they were discouraged. Eleven days is what I understand that journey should have taken from Egypt into the promised land, and they walked in circles for 40 years because they got discouraged. A student could be discouraged because maybe some bad test scores, maybe some difficulty getting through class a little bit, and, and difficulty in school, and they could just give up on furthering their education, never reaching their true potential. And I've seen it time and time again, where people just, it's just too much. I'm just discouraged. When a little more work, a little more focus might have done the job. A new believer can get discouraged with repeated failures to overcome the addictions, the old habits, the things that they went through before they came to Christ, and they may never experience the full potential of what they can do for the Lord because of discouragement. None of us are immune. Discouragement, it's one of our enemy's best tools. All of us at one time or another are faced with the temptation just to give up I can't be the only one in this room that said, you know what, it would just be so much easier just to forget about it. Just to, you know, I, I'm, just, I'm just frustrated. We're going through this. This is the 22nd time around this same problem, and I'm just going to give up. But we can't let the enemy win. We cannot give in to discouragement. He's going to try it time and time again. Let's look at some of the causes of discouragement. Where does it come from? It doesn't just pop up. There's a reason we get discouraged. I think one of the, probably the number one reason is just fatigue. Just, I'm tired. I'm just wore out of dealing with the same thing. Can you imagine these guys? I think from, from one of the accounts that I read, it took something like 58 days to rebuild the wall. Oh, I, I'm giving you the end of the story, by the way. They get the wall built. <laughs> They get the wall built. But I think somebody said it took like 58 days. Can you imagine that? 
That's some work. That's people going, and they would have families. This family, if you read through the account, I, I really want you guys to go back and read this when we're all done here. Go back and read Nehemiah. Read, read what happened. I mean, all the things that came at them, and, and they, they kept on, and they persevered. It wasn't easy. Nehemiah 4.10, again, the strength of the laborers is failing. They were tired, guys. Can you imagine trying to build this wall in 58 days? They were wore out. It said that, that he would bring the people in, and they would be watchmen through the night and then labor all day. What, do we get to sleep at some point? Don't we feel like that sometimes as believers? Don't we get to rest at some point? Our enemy's not resting. So we, do, we get to rest when we get to heaven. <laughs> no, we can take some... We, the Lord designed the seventh day for us to rest. We need to be resting as we're working. But we got to quit giving up. we got to quit giving up. The strength of the laborers is failing. Sometimes we just wear out. Sometimes we get tired of the same old story, the same old nonsense, the same old around the bush again of the same problems, and we just get tired. Isaiah 40, chapter, verse 31 says, Those that wait upon the Lord will what? They'll renew their strength. What else will they do? They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. If we wait upon the Lord. Man, that's a tough one, isn't it? Waiting on the Lord. No, Lord, we want it now. We, want it. we don't want 58 days we don't want 42 years of, of trying to get things worked out and get to church on the path that it's supposed to be and doing the thing it's supposed to be. We don't want 50, 60 years of that, Lord. We want, we want it right now. But he doesn't say, those who rush the Lord will renew their strength. <laughs> those who tell the Lord they've really got a better plan than he do, does will renew their strength. It says, those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. Verse uh, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9, one of my favorites, it says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Hang in there. Don't lose heart. The Lord's got things taken care of. He knew what was going to happen. He knew we were going around this bush 27 times before it was over with. He knew everything that was going to happen. Wait upon the Lord but stay faithful to him while we wait. Keep the, the trowel in our hand. Keep busy. Keep working. Keep praying, guys. Keep praying. Wait upon the Lord. That's one of the biggest factors that causes discouragement, fatigue. Secondly, frustration. Nehemiah 4, 10 and 11 again says, why, why was their strength falling or failing? So much rubbish. I mean, the... Can you imagine? I, I know how I would build something like that. I would go in and I'd say, oh, there's the, there's the big rocks. Let's get those out because we'll use those for the base and we'll get those. And then after a while, you start to run out of the big, easy-to-find rocks, and then you got to look through the crumbs and find what else needs to be used. And they said, there's just so much rubbish. All this mess, they knocked it down, the stones were burned. I didn't know stones could burn. They said they'd burned they were probably become brittle and, and had kind of crumbled and turned to powder and dust and, and small little pebbles. So guess what? The rocks that we had the wall built with aren't here anymore. 
So what do we got to do now? We got to go find some. We got to go find something to build with because they had to build the wall. It had to be fortified. It had to be strong. It had to be as good as it was before or if not better. They broke it down once. Let's try to make it better this time. We messed up the, the church once. Let's build it better this time. Let's not just go back to the same old stuff. Let's not try to pick up the rubble and, and just stack it up and watch it fall back off again. Let's build it better. Let's do what we need to do and do it right. There's just so much rubbish. Sometimes what God asks us to do seems so big that it's impossible. Can't be done, Lord. It can't be done. In fact, you know what? If God asks us to do it, it probably is impossible. That's what I like about God, really. He doesn't ask us to do something that anybody can do. He asks us to win the lost for Him. He asks us to love each other. Because He says, that's how they'll know that you're my disciples. That's impossible. So only through God can we do it. We, he asks us to, to go through the things that we're going to go through and still love Him and still honor Him and still do it with a smile and still do it in knowing that He's in charge of it. That's impossible. You know why God asks us to do the impossible? So that when it happens, we can't get the credit for it. He does. That's why He asks believers to do the impossible. We need, may need to clean up a little rubbish in our life before we can finish doing the task that God calls us to do. I don't know about you, what's another word for rubbish? Garbage. We deal with a lot of garbage. This, this nation is, is dealing with a lot of garbage. The world is dealing with a lot of garbage. The churches are dealing with a lot of garbage. What do we do? We ask people to come in that are messy. That's what the church is for. We want the messy to come in so that the Lord can do His work in their life. But sometimes when they come in, they're carrying the garbage in with them. And there's a lot of rubbish. And we're still supposed to do what God's called us to do. There's a mess in the church. There's, if there's a mess in the world, and we're asking the world to come in and get saved, there's going to be a mess in the church. And we're going to deal with some rubbish. And it gets frustrating. And it, you know, the, the, the little kids are going to come in and they're not going to act like our little you know, kids that have been in, raised in church their whole life. They're not going to act that way. They're going to bring in some rubbish. We may need to clean a little bit of it up. We may need to clean up a little sin in our own lives. If we're going to walk in what the Lord told us to do, if we're going to walk in the way that He would have us to do, if we're going to do the impossible, we may need to clean up a little bit in ourselves. Perhaps we need to just clean up. We talked about this Friday night at, at our cell group meeting. We might need to clean up a little bit of the trivial things that waste our time and energy. We may need to clean some of that stuff up. We may need to give more focus to prayer and the Word. We may need to give more focus to that. We may need to clean up a little bit of the garbage. It distracts us, and it's frustrating to have to do it. The third thing that I think is, brings on discouragement is failure. Man, we're not able to build the wall. It's just not going the way we want it to. Their confidence collapsed. You ever failed in anything you tried to do for the Lord? 
If you didn't, you probably didn't try to do anything for the Lord. Because we're people. We're going to mess it up. And we're going to fail. And we're going to not get it done. And we're going to blow it. And we're going to say the wrong thing to somebody. And it's gonna, they're going to leave the church. And we failed. And that's discouraging. Pick it up. Learn how to learn from it. Change the way we did it a little bit. And move on so that we don't make the next the mistake the same mistake with the next person that comes in. How do we respond when we fail? We you know, sometimes we think, I was stupid to even try that. Ah, that was people told me that was never going to work. I should have never done it. Well, did the Lord tell you to do it? If he did, then I don't care what anybody else said. Do it if that's what he said to do. Try it. Move on. Do the next thing. How do we respond? Do we start blaming others? Well, you know, I, I brought so-and-so to church, and then this other person said something to them, and now they're gone. Well, did you spend time with them? Did you try to disciple them? Did you, did you do the things that you needed to do also? Do we start just blaming others? Do we just get frustrated and give up? Well, I'm never doing that again. I'm, I'm done with that. Or do we remember what God said, that he told us, do this, step out in this way, and I'm going to take care of things. If we fail to reach our goal on time, let's do this. Let's set a new goal. And let's try again. We have this thing at, at, at work. It's called a repair plan. When a vehicle comes in for us to work, we start this repair plan, and it tells this is the time it should take us to tear the vehicle down and get it ready. This is the time it should take us to order the parts, and, and then we have to do the body work, and then the paint. And then, so, and then we give a customer what we call a promise date at the end of that repair plan. And so this is when we're going to have your car done. Now you're going to find this hard to believe, but sometimes we don't make it. Because <laughs> sometimes the part went on back order. That's when I get to blame others. Sometimes we just messed up and forgot that car was sitting out on the lot and we didn't get it in and didn't get it done in time. Or sometimes we start to tear into it and find out the work was a little larger than we thought it was going to be. And you know what we have to do? We have to call the customer and say, hey, I know I told you we were going to have the vehicle done on this day, but we ran into some things and it looks like it's going to be a little bit longer. That's not a fun call to make. But you know what? It happens because it's life. Sometimes we can't meet the deadline that we set for ourselves. And sometimes the church isn't going to accomplish everything it wanted to accomplish when it wanted to accomplish it. Move the deadline. Change the goal. Lord, did we miss something here or was it just circumstances? Well, let's regroup. Let's get it back together. You know, I thought surely if I took this person out for coffee five times that they would have accepted the Lord by that fifth time. I had all these things planned out of how I was going to talk to them and, and I could see their response and I knew it was going to work out that way and, and they're still just like they were. Let's reset the goal. I'm going to still take them out for coffee. I'm still, you know what, I'm gonna, instead of taking out for coffee, I'm going to have them over to the house for dinner so we can all sit and the family can visit with them and, and they can see something different maybe here. I'm going to invite them to church. Change the goal. Don't get discouraged when we fail. And the fourth thing that I believe is cause for discouragement is fear. We don't like to admit that one a lot of times. I want to reread Nehemiah 4, 10 and 11 one more time. Then Judah said, The strength of the laborers is failing, and there is so much rubbish that we're not able to build the wall. 
And our adversaries said they will neither know or see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. They said if we keep building this wall, they're going to kill us. The devil said if I keep trying to get people saved, he's going to mess with my family. He's going to give us trouble. So I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and I'm going to quit this stuff. And the Lord says, you let me worry about that. You let me worry about the family. You don't, know, you don't know, but I've already got the guards set behind you. And they're there with the spears and the swords, and they'll take care of that. You do what I said to do. I'll take care of the rest. But, but it's, it's not looking good. Yeah, it probably didn't look good for Jesus on the cross, I'm guessing. But he took care of the rest of us there. And it was all just fine because it was God's plan. We don't see the same way he sees. Sometimes it comes from within. Sometimes that trouble, well, there's so much rubbish. There's so much to do. Sometimes we, we are our own worst enemy. We discourage ourselves. We let our brains just get the better control of our spirit, and we start talking about all the things that we, we can't do, and, and this has never worked, and you know I've tried to do that, and I said this to them, and they took offense at it, and, and we get it comes from inside. Sometimes it comes from inside the church. Well, you can't do that. If you keep bringing those kids in here, they're going to mess up the, the carpeting in the back because they're, they're just wild. They're just crazy. Yeah, but they're also lost, and they need Jesus. They make more carpet. They make more vacuum cleaners to clean up the crumbs. Well, what if those people come in here, and they're smelling like smoke? Eh, we got air freshener. I'd rather have them smoking and be here than sitting at home and throw their cigarettes away and never know who Jesus is. We can't be afraid of the stuff that's going to mess things up. Sometimes it comes from inside. Sometimes it comes from outside. They said they're going to kill us. Well, look what the devil's doing. He's, he's got this country wrapped around his little finger. Yeah, it kind of looks like it. But I still read the end of the book. We win. God's not going to establish a nation like this built by wanting to honor and worship and serve God and then let it just go down the tubes, just watch it wash away. But we've got to do our part. We've got to pray. We've got to take authority in our areas that we're given authority. We've got to do our part. Quit being afraid of what's going on around us, what's going on in us, and help share those things and have it going on in other people too. We've got to remember that if God be for us, what? Nothing can stand against us. If God's in charge, we've got to rest and trust in Him. This also says God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We Christians have got to quit being afraid of the devil, afraid of any of his schemes. Word says that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Greater. So we, we talked about all the causes and all the things that bring on discouragement. I want to talk just for a couple minutes about the remedy because they're obvious and you've heard them before, so I'm just going to touch on them and remind you a little bit this morning. 
First remedy, request. Request. Pray. Ask the Lord. When discouraged, call on God in prayer. What's Nehemiah 4.9 says? Nevertheless, what was, what was he nevertheless from? The, the attack, the confusion, all those other things. He said, nevertheless, we made our prayer to God, and because of them, we sat a watch day and night. We prayed, and then we took action. Request, ask the Lord to be involved in the situation. The Lord hears when we call him Psalm chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. The psalmist said this, Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long, O you sons of men, will you turn my glory to shame? How long will you love worthlessness and seek falsehood? But know that the Lord has set apart for himself him who is godly. The Lord will hear when I call him. It's a promise that the Lord will hear us when we call to him. And if he hears, he acts on our behalf. The second thing, reinforce. What, that's what they did. They prayed, and then they reinforced. They set the troops around. I love the picture that, that Nehemiah paints in this account of what happened. He said they had the tools in one hand and the sword in the other. I love that. That's how we need to work as Christians. We need the tools in one hand. What are we doing for the Lord? We got to have that in one hand. We got to know where we're going. We got to know what we're doing. We got to have the Word of God, the truth of His Word in our hand. And we got to have the sword. We got to have the weapon ready to, to fight what the enemy's going to come against us with when we're working for the Lord. I love that picture. When discouraged, we need to call on the family of God for help. Verse 13, Therefore I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set the people according to their families, with their swords, their spears, and their bows. If you read this account, one family worked on this gate, and another family worked on this gate, and another family worked on this gate, and they were working together as a family. But listen to this. And he said... Nehemiah is saying, I have the trumpet with me. I have the one with the trumpet with me. Here we go. Therefore I positioned men with their spears, and I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives. And so it was from that time on that half of my servants worked at construction while the other half held the spears and the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. And he said, The work is great and extensive. We're separated far from one another. When you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there and our God will fight for us. We need to learn to hear the sound of the trumpet. We need to learn to hear the sound of our brothers and sisters that need our help. And we need to rally, and we need to run to them and be prepared to do what we can do. We need to lift them up. We need to be prepared as brothers and sisters to allow 
our brothers and sisters to run and give us help. Sometimes that's the problem, isn't it? They're all coming. We just keep telling them no. We need to learn that whenever we have difficulty, when we're going through some things, that we need to allow them to help. Moses was a great leader of the people, but even he felt the burden of trying to do it alone. Numbers 11, verses 14 through 15, he just finally got wore out, and he said, I'm not able to bear all these people alone because the burden is too heavy for me. If you treat me like this, Lord, please kill me here and now. If I have found favor in your your sight, and do not let me see my wretchedness. But God had a solution to his discouragement. Numbers 11, 16 through 17. So the Lord said to Moses, Gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting, that they may stand there with you. Then I will come down and talk with you there. I will take of the spirit that is upon you, and I will put the same upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you, that you might not bear it for yourself. We don't have to carry every burden alone. Allow our brothers and sisters to help. And be prepared to help our brothers. Reinforce, and then respond. When the enemy tries to destroy our work, we don't have to take it lying down. Verses 16 and 18, So it was from that time on that half of my servants worked at construction, while the other half held the spears, the shields, the bows, and, the, and the, wore the armor, and the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. Respond. They weren't going to just say, okay, Sanballat and and Tobiah, they said they're going to come and they're going to kill us, so we better quit. Let's go back home. Nehemiah, oh, I had a pretty good job back carrying the cup for the king. I think I'll just head on back. (laughs) It was a a good gig. You know, I just brought his stuff into him, and, you know, it was a good job. I'm heading back there. No. No, they dug up the swords that were in Jerusalem. They found the spears, the shields, the armor. They said, you know what, we hope you don't come, but if you do, we'll be ready. That's how we need to, to deal with the enemy. When people are trying to destroy what the, what the church wants to do or what I want to build out of my own life in Christ and say, you know what, I hope you just stay away. I do. I, I, don't, I don't like fighting, but you know what? God told me that we win. So if you're going to come, be, re- be prepared. I'm not just walking away. I'm not just going to turn my back and let you have it. I'm going to stand and I'm going to fight. We have to be prepared to, to respond. We may not carry swords and spears today, but we are armed with a much more powerful weapon in the war against our spiritual enemy, the Word of God. You've got to know the Word, folks. There's not always time to run and grab it and look it up. Start putting some, some important important things in your heart, the ones that you know you're going to need. And then finally, regroup. Nehemiah 4.19, Nehemiah's people were all working on different parts of the wall, but when they would hear the sound of the trumpet, they would regroup together and face the enemy together. There are times when, even though we believers, we're all going in different directions, we've all got our own battles and we've all got our own things going on, we've got to pause and come back together. That's what our worship services are. We come back together and we worship the Lord because that's where the power comes from. 
we worship together, and we've got to be back together to face our enemy as a united body. In closing, I'm going to read just one final portion of Scripture this morning, and it comes from the book of Psalms, 37. I'm, going to, I'm actually going to write you a prescription this morning. Okay, I'm, I'm going to be Dr. Greg this morning instead of Pastor Greg. I'm going to write you a little prescription. When you go home today, write this down. If you've got anything to write on, write this down this morning because I know that there are people here going through some discouragement. I've been going through some discouragement. Write down Psalm 37. And when you get home today, I want you to take out the prescription and eat it. I want you to read Psalm 37 from front to back and then go back and read it again. I'm just going to read a little bit, I think, to verse 8 this morning. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him also, and he shall bring it to pass. Did you hear that? Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Don't be discouraged this morning. Remember that we serve a God who has your best interests at heart. Remember that we serve a God who wants to see you victorious, who wants to see those that you love victorious, who wants to see the church victorious. And he hasn't given up. He hasn't gotten discouraged and turned his back. We need to stick with him. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I I speak today over the spirit of discouragement, Father, that might be in this house and over any one person in here, Lord God. And I pray victory, healing, wholeness, Lord God, encouragement and joy into their life today. Father, we will face things that discourage us, but Lord, help us to remember that you have not turned your back on us. And Lord God, your plans will come to pass. We just need to make sure that we're part of them, Father. We need to do our part in prayer and being in the Word and and reinforcing one another, Lord God, and getting back up and getting into the battle. Father, we give you praise in this house today, and we thank you for your Word, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.